0: seeing yourself going further and seeing yourself in the place you want to be and then getting there. Whoa. It's amazing.
1: Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. I have been so excited to air this conversation. It was so much fun, and it's a little bit different than some of the other conversations that I've had in the best possible way. So if you listened to the season finale of season two. I talked about this analogy of showing up big and boldly in our careers and really bringing all of you to the table. And the analogy that I used for really harnessing that courage and really bringing everything that you are and everything that you have out into the world in your professional environment, the analogy that I used was the stage. And I talked about figuring out your next big thing, and it could be something seemingly small, just like speaking up more in meetings or taking a little bit more initiative. Or it could be something much bigger, like going for a new role or pursuing something that you want, asking for that promotion that you want or asking for that raise that you want. It could be anything, but I really encouraged everyone listening to figure out what that stage is and to begin to harness their inner courage to step onto that stage because it's exactly the same in your career as it is when you're a performer stepping on that stage there's lights and there's an audience and in that moment where you have to put yourself out there and speak up or ask for the thing you want or go to the job interview in that moment it's as if you're stepping out onto the stage and the audience is watching and the lights are really bright right? And it feels really scary. And I talked all about the courage of stepping on that stage because I see our careers and the way we show up so similarly. And now here's the thing. When it comes time to get on that stage and speak up and show up, we want to come off strong and confident. We want to bring everything that we possibly can. And there are two really important ingredients when it comes to speaking up more, becoming more visible. There are two important things that make it feel better, make you feel more powerful and make it more effective in the end of the day. The first of those two things is when you feel good you feel confident and when you feel that confidence inside it radiates outward and you are literally perceived as more effective you are perceived as more powerful and the people around you notice those changes and there's like this positive ripple effect and the second piece to this is getting on that stage, saying what you want to say, speaking up when you want to speak up, making the ask that you want to make, but doing so in a way that really connects with your audience. So in the stage metaphor, you're actually connecting with the audience, but in your career, you're connecting with the stakeholders around you who play an enormous role in your career and what happens with you next. And the reason that I was so friggin' pumped about this conversation and had so much fun is because today's guest helps performers get ready, not just for the stage, but for the red carpet. She works with a lot of actors and actresses, and you'll hear much more about the work that she does, which is very interesting, but she helps them feel bold and ready for red carpets, for auditions, because when they feel that way, they have a higher success rate in their acting careers, and it is literally the same in our careers. You will observe this difference in your career as your confidence builds. The outer world will respond. When you become more confident and you believe in yourself more and more and you feel more powerful and you do those scary things and you build up your belief in yourself, you will see the world respond to you and more opportunities will begin to come your way. So I wanted to have a chat with today's guest, Kirsten, and pick her brain and understand how we show up confidently. And she shared so many interesting insights that can be applied to our careers that can have a major ripple effect in terms of our ability to show up boldly and connect with the people around us. This conversation was so much fun. I can't wait to hear what you think of it. And with that, let's meet Kirsten and enjoy. I'm Kirsten Clarkson and I'm an
0: acting coach. I've been coaching actors for about 25 years, but I've done a whole bunch of other things. The path that I took to get here was not a straight line. (laughs) And I'm sure that's true for a lot of people. So I started off a long time ago, wanting to be a performer. My father um, was a musician, so he couldn't afford a babysitter and I went on the road and I couldn't sing very well but I also couldn't play instruments so essentially I got to be in the band. So that really wasn't the the place for me but I did like performing and I did like the arts. So I went into acting and discovered that that wasn't for me. I don't like auditioning. I don't like being at the whim of somebody else. I like being in control of things. So I decided to direct. <laughs> and I tried that but at that age, which I think I was about, I was in my early 20s, I just didn't have the temperament. Directors usually have to have a fairly even temperament to do well. And I had at that time a pretty explosive temperament. And reflecting backwards, I think maybe the reason that it bothered me so much is because I was a woman and I felt like I shouldn't be being explosive and temperamental and demanding. And of course I shouldn't have, but a lot of men got away with that too. So, you know, it was, it was a decision I made about myself that I didn't want to be like that. So I, I didn't. And I went into being an agent (laughs) and I was an agent for a while and I loved the work. I absolutely love seeing people um, have their dreams come true. It's like over the moon, crazy happiness being an agent, though, wasn't as rewarding as I wanted my work to be, and coaching was something that I had been doing on the side. There's a conflict of interest with that, so I could not do what I wanted to do. I couldn't be an agent and coach actors, so I had to make a decision. So I made a decision, and that was my decision. And for a long time, I owned an acting school, and that was something that was enormously successful until it wasn't. And then it was like a crashing, horrible experience where I lost everything due to outside forces, the economy, but also due to my own poor decisions of just building and building and building and not paying attention to the people I was getting involved with and making decisions based on fear rather than on what was the best decision to make at the time. So I lost everything, and (laughs) I started all over again. In the middle of losing everything, I found the man of my dreams and had a baby at 45. So that was kind of intense. It all happened at once. And uh, I started coaching one-on-one, and that became enormously successful and my clients have done very well. One of them is his name's Caleb Kayla Morlini. He's currently being touted for an Emmy for his work on the act with um, Patricia Arquette and Joey King. And I'm very
1: proud of all my clients. They're phenomenal human beings. So that's the story. You have a very interesting <laughs> story. And I'm I'm really excited to see if we can draw intersections between your work and the focus of the show. I, I know the answer is going to be yes. I'm just excited to see what they are. <laughs> before we before we get deeper into the work that you do and confidence and presence and all of these really important themes, I want to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests, which related to the theme of the show, which is kind of personal professional development What is your thing that you're working on right now these days?
0: It's a constant thing that I started working on when I lost my business. So seven years ago, I started working on only telling the truth. And that was difficult because when (laughs) you, you have to tell the truth about yourself to yourself, it can be heartbreaking. You can realize that, you know, you've been fooling yourself or the, the, speaking only for myself i realized i've been fooling myself about a lot of things about my life and who i thought i was and what i thought i what i'm capable of and the people i associate with things like that so i had to do some some big soul searching and it was really difficult and i continue to do that i continue to look at my values and the things that are important to me and how I
1: want to live my life. That's awesome. Well, I've been so excited to have this conversation because (laughs) I've never really talked about it from this angle, but I think many women, especially ones who have ambitious career goals are working on confidence. I think so many of us want to feel more confident than we feel, and that's a a big area of focus on the show. I think for those of us who aren't in the acting world, myself and probably a lot of people who listen to the show, when I see an actor on the red carpet, and I know you help prep actors for the red carpet, or you just see them performing and doing their thing, everything in my brain assumes that they're confident. I'm like, this person gets up in front of people. Like The idea that they're not, or that they're terrified, or that they're nervous like is quite a surprise to me. I would love to hear from you sort of what that struggle looks like when you're working with them and just your perspective on how often they're not feeling confident. So first of all,
0: initially, I break down the difference between confidence and arrogance because being sure of yourself and being sure of your art form and your ability is very different than arrogance. And then I teach them that confidence helps you support those around you. If you feel like you can hold yourself up, then you can also hold others up. But if you don't, then you can't. So it's really important that you are able to feel like you are capable in your abilities. I teach competence leads to confidence. So if you repeat an action, you become good at it. And then you don't have the nervous energy that goes into doing whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a performance or cleaning the floor. This, If you do it over and over again, you get good at it. So I teach that and then there is the belief in yourself business and I am not a airy fairy person but I have seen magic when it comes to self-belief the switch from becoming I, I coach this young woman her name's Kira and she is one of the most talented people ever like she's super super talented. But because she's quite tall, she doesn't get any gigs. She's been practicing for a long time. But height, when you're a kid, is a huge barrier because you're taller than the parents, you're taller than the other kids. You're just not going to get cast. Doesn't look right. So we started working on her confidence, and she went to a casting director, and he sent. He, he was just like blown away the difference, and he said, "You may not work this year, kid, because of there's an age thing." you will work. He commented on her confidence on how she was just shining and how amazing she was. You know, you could see it was everything to her, first of all, because she finally got seen for how great she was, but she had never been seen because she didn't have the confidence to allow herself to be seen in the audition room. And when she changed that, oh my God, you know, you just, you watch this beautiful, radiating humanity come from her. And you just like, whoa, wow. You know, I'd seen it time after time after time, but it never shown up in the audition room. So once she got that, it was amazing. But we don't know. We don't know what the what the future holds for Kira. It hasn't happened yet, but I have a feeling it will. But that's one particular person who uh, that has happened for, but it has happened over and over and over again. So, You know, there's these things that you put on your wall, like your goals and all that kind of stuff. And you do these boards, these vision boards and all that kind of stuff that works. It's not working because it's magic. It's working because you set a goal and you see the goal and you make it happen. And that in itself is magic. Seeing yourself going further and seeing yourself in the place you want to be and then getting there. Whoa, it's amazing. But my big mentor, and I, I know this is a long answer, but my big mentor is Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid, because his wax on, wax off teaching is exactly what I do. I teach and I got it from him. I teach incrementally. Do one thing at a time, do it really well. Go to the next thing, do one thing at a time, do it really well. And and when it comes to the time when you need to fight, like The Karate Kid needed to, <laughs> then, then you're ready. And you just can't beat that. The competence thing makes everything work.
1: I love that. Yeah, I really agree too, because every time you have a success, then you get fuel and you're like, Ooh, that felt good. And then you're ready for the next thing. And you can start with little things. And I I love the story about your client, because I think that this is really true. I think when we figure out how to feel really good inside, people notice. So first of all, we feel good. We feel different. We feel inspired. We feel excited. We feel hopeful. And then what we do, whether it's acting the same exact analogy applies to some one's professional life, whatever we're doing, we start doing it better, because we're operating at a much higher level of our own potential. And then the people around us notice it, they feel it. And oftentimes, it makes them feel more inspired too. And it reflects positively on us. And so I think that that's really important. I have a question in terms of like working with someone to center them more strongly in themselves and their belief and their ability. So if you're working with someone who's, let's say, kind of is going to auditions and maybe mentally is not in the right place and is not having success because, you know, they're not showing up at that 100% level. How do you think about getting them to that point? I think that's something the people listening would be very interested in.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a really important thing and I use it all the time in my own life. And that is centering yourself physically in your body. So, and that's literal. So that means pulling up your spine, lifting your chest high, putting your shoulders back and literally being in center like a ballet dancer. So when you do that, the blood can get up to your brain a little easier. <laughs> and when the blood can get up to your brain a little easier, you can think more clearly. You have a sense of pride in yourself and your way of being. It comes automatically. You don't have to build it. It's It's natural beings that have high chests, low shoulders, and straight spines are confident. And I think mostly it's biological. It just works that way. So I tell my students to do that. Take a minute, breathe, breathe through your nose, you know, the yoga breath, breathe through your nose, and eliminate the fight or flight breath, which is the, you know, don't do deep breathing, actually do shallow breathing, because that makes you more calm. Deep breathing is like... Taking in a lot of air, which tells your body, "Holy cow, we got to fight!" So you don't want to get into that. You just want to be relaxed. I stay away from any. Um, uh, this is the hardest thing in the world for me to say because I'm a total coffeeaholic, but stay away from stimulants. So for an hour before or an hour after an audition, no sugar, no caffeine. Unless you're going to get a terrible headache from not having caffeine, then you know, work that out some other time. But, <laughs> but you know, take care of yourself with good food, with exercise, all the usual stuff, all the hard stuff, all the stuff that nobody really wants to do, or they maybe they do, who knows, but take care of all that. Find yourself in a good place, emotionally, spiritually, if that's your bag, and physically, but it's mostly lifting the chest and clearing the blood flow to the brain and getting yourself into a position where your body is telling you that you are confident. And then you'll eliminate all that other stuff. And you can quiet the thoughts too. So this takes practice and personal strength. For example, one of the things that I do in my life is I try and solve my husband's problems, which is none of my business. (laughs) You know, that's his business. So I had to stop myself from solving those problems that are actually not even really problems. They're just things that irritate me. So I, (laughs) I have to let that go. So that means I have to take the key and put it in the lock and lock the door and walk away and never do that again. And every time those little things come up, you have to shut them down. You have to say, no, that's not my agenda today. What's on my agenda? Things that make me strong. What's on my agenda? Helping my clients. What's on my agenda? Playing with my son. What's on my agenda? You know, having fun, doing my thing, going for a walk around the pond. That's on my agenda not fixing things that are unfixable by me. And it's the same with you when you're going in for an audition or when you have a job interview or when you have any sort of thing that you cannot control, you shut that down. lock, Like physically see it in your mind. I'm shutting the door. I'm locking the door. I'm throwing away the key. I'm not going back into that room ever again. And that will do it. But you have to keep it up it's consistent and then once you've done it a lot of times then you you just don't go back to that room you might have to slap your own hand a couple of times but you you got to do it
1: yeah i think that that's really really powerful <laughs> our thoughts can be not positive and not helpful and addictive too totally yeah absolutely you know what my mother-in-law says she's a brilliant
0: genius who nobody knows about because she didn't get famous but she says, she says i just made myself stronger was <laughs> just like, whoa, you just made yourself stronger. All right, I'll take that. I'll make myself stronger. She was a nurse in the 40s and she started a hospice when nobody was doing hospices and the doctors were pissed off at her for taking money, hospital money to start something that was just for dead people or dying people. And she, I said, what did you do? And she said, oh, I never let men who are so impressed by their own importance affect me. That's <laughs> like... Whoa, lady! Yeah, you are right on. And so, you know, I take a lot from her. I make myself stronger. I don't let people impress me who are impressed by their own importance and sort of put blinders on and and go
1: forward. It it works. Yeah, I'm for what works. I think that that's really really powerful. I think sometimes we become so used to just kind of going with our thoughts, and so like, for example. You know, if we're constantly focused on self-critical thoughts all of the time, we might even forget that it's there and it might take it's kind of like um, reversing the direction of a heavy truck. It's just been going in this direction for so long that to shut it down or even become aware that it's there in the first place, it can be a really big effort. And like I, I think something that's really interesting about the work that you do is that acting is like a very personal thing. And so it's like, if you don't get a role, you kind of feel like you might feel rejected, you might feel bad about yourself. And I think a lot of us who do work that is much less personal, we still feel that sometimes. And then I think you combine that with being self-critical. It's not a formula for happiness. And I think that it is really important for us to step back and get some perspective on what's going on in our own heads and also be gentle with ourselves when it's, it's not easy to just change it all at once. But I think like, I don't know, for me, it's just about being really gentle about the whole thing, you know, and being like, okay, I'm not going to like solve this in five minutes, um, but let's not get mad about that either. Let's just slow everything down and see, see if we can find a starting point.
0: Yeah. And also realize that other people's opinions are not, you know, the word of God or even your own, you know, so if, if, they, one of the, the rejection thing you're talking about actors, they are being rejected for the truth of their being. So they go in and they do a performance based on the truth of who they are and how they perceive the character and the role and, and the, um, the story. So when they get rejection, it's a real deal. They're getting rejected for who they are. And what I teach them is that person is rejecting you for the truth of your being. You are not. You don't have to worry about that person. Their opinion, even if you really like them, is just an opinion and not worth much. You can't. You you have to just keep going. You have to keep going forward. You can't stay in the huge problem of rejection. It just sucks you in deeper and deeper and deeper. So you have to say, okay, that person didn't like the truth of my being. I'm <laughs> on to the next thing, you know. Or how if if I'm consistent, if the truth of my being is consistently getting rejected, can I open up another door? Can I say there's another truth to me? You know, there's other than what I'm showing. Yeah, there is, there, there are a million, a million, we're all so multifaceted and interesting. And so if this one initial part of you that you're showing to the world is getting rejected, Show another part. You're, you're not just one thing. You know, sometimes you're in an audition or even in a work experience and you realize that this, ooh, this is not flying. No one's really getting this. OK, I have to redirect, you know, and so you redirect and no one needs to be so arrogant or so precious that they can't redirect. And if you view yourself as a collaborator, as somebody who's working adjacent to or with other people, then you'll find more success. But if, if you're so precious with things, then it, that is arrogance. It's it's all about you and what, what works for you. Whereas, you know, you're working with other people. And they need to, they created the project. They need to have some input. So that's what that's about
1: this like feels very parallel for me at least like in my career and what i've experienced where once you make it less about you, you things become easier and less pressure and you can get more success because you're not so afraid (laughs) of being wrong or you're not so tied to even the positive feedback and the success. And you see yourself as just part of the greater mission. And you're like, okay, how do I accomplish the thing that we're trying to accomplish here? What is my role? And you're willing to pivot and take feedback. And so I think it is very similar in that way where it's like you, you kind of rewrite the narrative that you have that like, well, everything that happens and everything that I experience is just like a reflection of my self-worth. And like I just want to do well and get positive feedback all the time because then I'll feel good and then I'll know that I'm good enough. But really like that is such a one-dimensional and kind of uninteresting way of moving to, like through something and it's much more that we're all creating this thing together which is the same as like a professional or any kind of movie or entertainment production. We're all creating this thing together and I get to be a part of it and I'm doing it not just for me, but for the people around me and the project itself and that's like actually one of the core definitions of leadership and i think is really important so it's just it's fascinating that you're saying that because i've i've seen that as well in completely different environments
0: yeah well uh, being i i i is very childish and as you get older and more mature it becomes wee 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 and it, it's a lot easier you just realize that you don't have to you don't you don't have to carry the
1: the load all the time yeah and it's not just about you for sure I think as humans we're wired to do that because um I think it's partly a survival mechanism and we're scared of what people are going to think of us but I think when you're able to get out of that and untangle it um what you're doing becomes more fun yeah that's something that I i I'm scared of what people think of us is is a big thing and I always forget
0: about it um but yes yeah it is. <laughs> It is something that people really fear other people's opinions about them. But if you let it go, you know, you don't have to worry so much. But it does come up. I mean, even for me, I moved to a new community and I'm so used to feeling confident and having my, you know, my my work is, I'm pretty comfortable in it. But I, I all of a sudden was in a new environment where nobody knew me and nobody knew what I did and nobody, you know, I had no reputation. So I had to become comfortable with that. And it it took, it took more than a minute. That's for sure. It was like, I'm used to respect immediately. And it was odd to have people assess me, you know, like, who are you kind of thing? And it's like, what do you mean? (laughs) What's going on here? This is an unusual feeling. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. Yeah.
1: It kind of goes back to like what you were saying before about like thoughts and kind of like, um closing the door on our thoughts that aren't helping us because like in any kind of situation, whether it's like what you're describing or someone's in an audition room or someone's at work and we're like, we have a a feeling or an experience of like, oh, uh, people are judging me or uh, people are thinking not good of me or like, I feel not good because of this thing. If you can turn that off and uh, just say, what is true right now? I'm in a room with people, I'm doing something. I'm seeing this, I'm noticing this. You can, I guess for me, I know like you can slow all of that down um, and take out all of the extra things that you added in that are not necessarily happening, that are making you so much more uncomfortable in the situation. Um, Because... I don't know. I think so much of that is just our brain kind of like taking a little nugget of a fact and then exploding it and being like disaster, you know, or like scary or whatever, whatever the bad feeling is. And then like slowing down, closing off the thoughts and like getting in the body and just getting in the physical space where you are can kind of help you see like, OK, this is fine. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I'm going to move into the tips and tricks for listeners section, which I'm really excited to get your thoughts on. And I'm going to ask you about a couple of Things that you potentially work with actors on that I think can be very helpful for professional women in settings like you mentioned job interviews, meetings, presentations, things like that. And so the first piece I want to get your thoughts on is presence and being present in the situation. So I want to just hear a little bit from you on... First of all, kind of what your definition of presence is, and then maybe some thoughts or tips that you have on how someone can cultivate presence.
0: Look at people who have tremendous presence. I always look at George Clooney. He always seems like he is totally fascinated by the other person that he's talking to. So by invoking that, we're fascinated by him. He is really interested in other people. And that makes him so charming and so desirable. So I think look at somebody like that and look at other, you know, he's the first one who pops into my mind, but there are others and look at what it is that, that makes them interesting people and then steal it. Good artists borrow, great artists steal, I think is the old adage. So steal other people's stuff. Then you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, authenticity will come through regardless because you are looking at a way of being and then you're bringing your own self to that way of being. So you don't have to worry about not being authentic in that moment. You're just just practicing. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is knowing what it is that you want to accomplish. So, So with acting, you have an objective. And in that objective, you are pouring your all your energy into getting that objective. You know what you want, and you're going after what you want. Doing that, th- you can use adjectives to figure out how you want to get that thing. So if you want to be relentless, if you want to be persuasive, do whatever you want. Enjoy the, the action of getting it, what it is that you want. But you also have obstacles. So those obstacles are going to come up. And you need to think of ways that you can overcome those obstacles that are um, the George Clooney style of overcoming the obstacles, especially in a work situation, because you want to not be knocking these obstacles down because they could be another person's personal goal. So you need to like find a way to work together or work around them or whatever it is. But the big thing is finding your presence has to do with looking at what is the truth of who I am? am I a person who needs love? Am I a person who needs uh, to feel respected? That for me is a really big thing. What is it that I need as a human being? And then fill yourself with it before you even enter the room. So you fill yourself with your own respect for yourself, your own love for yourself, your own desire to be appreciated, whatever it is that you need, and you fill yourself up with it. And then you practice what was going to go on in the meeting so that you don't screw it up. (laughs) So when you're going to an audition, you want to practice the audition. So I don't practice just the dialogue. I practice the slate. I practice the walking in the room. I practice the walking out of the room. So the slate is how you say your name, your agency, the audition that the thing that you're auditioning for your height, your weight, all that kind of stuff, whatever it is you need to say. So I practice that. And I practice saying that in a way, with my actors, saying that in a way that is like welcoming someone into your living room, somebody that you love to see. So (laughs) practice going into the room, going into the meeting, or whatever it is that you need to go into, practice it. This is how I say hello. (laughs) This is how I deal with a bunch of people, you know, and go through every possible eventuality. But make sure that when you go in, you are welcoming somebody into your living room when you say hello. You're saying hello, or however it is that you welcome someone into your home. Um, of course, you make adjustments depending on what the scene is. So, if you're playing a sociopath, you're not going to come in and do a really warm welcome. You're just going to do a pleasant kind of welcome because you want to have a bit of a flavor of the character in the scene. And the same thing would go with work. You you adjust to the circumstance that you're in. So, practice, practice, <laughs> practice. In fact pre-production is everything so before you even step on set pre-production 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 for everything and then wardrobe dress as you would want to be perceived so if what you would like to be perceived as is a rebel go and dress as a rebel they're going to hire you because of who you are so if if you want to be hired as a rebel get hired as a rebel if you want to be an executive go and dress as an executive Whatever it is that you want to be hired as, go dressed as that. Physicality, people were visual people, and so you know you need to look like you want to, to people to perceive you. And then the the thing with the shoulders and the chest, it's universal for everything. So chest high, shoulders back, feeling good about yourself. And if you're feeling a lack of confidence before you go to the gig, whatever it is. Do some big movements, some big physical movements so that your whole body is awake and alive and moving and feeling good. Because when you've got blood flowing through your body, you feel good. If you don't have blood flowing through your body, not so hard. So do some big movements. There's a reason why athletes are confident. They have a lot of blood flowing through their bodies.
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. I think the thing that you said about like practicing the little things um, can be very helpful. So it's not just like the lines and it's not just because like I think we fall into this pattern a lot. It's like if I'm prepping for a job interview or someone's prepping for an audition, it's like, okay, what are the things I need to say? But I think like, how do I want to feel? What do I want to convey? What is the most compelling thing about my personality that might come through in this situation? Or just how do I want to greet the person? How do I want to like open this and close this? I feel like when you put your attention on those things, it can kind of make you feel even more comfortable in a way because you're not just like spinning over like the content in your head. <laughs> and the other thing is you can improvise
0: within those parameters. So if somebody throws something at you, you're so comfortable in who you are at that moment that you can pick it up and take it and, th- you know, toss it up in the air and throw it back because you, you know what you're there for. So it doesn't throw you as much. You don't get as like, they said, you know, they wanted my character to have a, a Japanese accent and I don't know a Japanese accent. So tell them, I don't know, but I can learn, you know, I'm good at learning. I'm good at voiceover. I'm good at, you know, whatever it
1: is. And you learn it, but you don't let people throw you because you're already there. You're already there in your mind. This is so important. And I think it goes back to like the thoughts that we have in the self-talk because it's sort of like you're in a situation and you're like, okay, um, I'm prepared. Things are going well. I'm prepared. Things are going well. And then something gets thrown at you. And then you're like, oh, uh, I wasn't expecting that. Or like, ooh, like that answer didn't sound good. And I sort of feel like in those instances, you can either let your brain begin the spiral and you can kind of go down the path of like, well, that's it. We're doomed. It's over. It's done. We're going downhill. (laughs) Or you can be like, oh, uh, like this thing got thrown at me. Okay. How am I going to throw it back? And like, and you've really, in those moments have to not self-sabotage. I think it's, um, very common to get in a pattern where like a thing like that happens and you're like, all right. I I am bad. I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to succeed. And here's the thing. And now it's time to fail. You know, like we do that sometimes. Yeah. And people fail before they walk in the room.
0: Like they decide that they're going to fail. They don't really want to be there. You know, they decide that it's going to be over. And I see it all the time. I see it in my son's sports events where some of the kids are going in and they're failing. They're falling down. They're failing. They're doing it on purpose because they don't want to be there. So if you don't want to be in a place, don't go. But if you do want to be in a place, go and do it. You know, another thing I had this great, great teacher. um, Her name was Frances Wasserlain. She's passed on, but she was a feminist and she was a remarkable human being. She's just a force, a force of nature. And she always said, and she might not have come up with this. Somebody did never apologize, never explain. Totally. And it's a great one. You just say, got it. So they say your idea doesn't work. Got it. Okay, let's go forward. What can we do? Instead of, oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't, I, you're right. That was a bad idea. Instead of that, just like, okay, got it. What What would you like to do? How can I help you? What can we do to make this better? Rather than apologizing and explaining why you made the choice that you made. Just, okay, cool. What would you like to see?
1: I can do that. That's very powerful. That's like goes back to like the I, I, I thing, right? Like, who cares if the idea didn't work? No need to defend it, because what we want is the idea that will work. So let's keep moving in that direction. That was a wonderful tangent. I'm excited to ask you about the second theme, which is back to the thread of us learning from actors and leveraging some of what you teach them to help us be more effective in professional situations. So the other one that I wanted to ask you about is connection. So we started with presence and your answer was so interesting and helpful. And now talking about (laughs) what what is your definition of connection um, and how can someone achieve that if they're in a situation where they're speaking to people or sharing something? Well, um, most of us look for the chance to say something that we would like to say.
0: So if you are listening to find out what the other person is saying, rather than figure out what you are trying to say, then you will have a much better connection with them because you will be interested in what they have to say. So that's the first thing is, is listening to find out what the other person is talking about or what they care about or what's meaningful to them. The second is, um, an old interview trick that I haven't been doing today, (laughs) but that is repeating the question. So what is it that people can do for connection? Well, I'll tell you what I think people can do for connection. If you're talking to someone and you want to find a connection with them, repeating what they've said helps them feel like you have a connection. However, you don't want to do it all the time. And you don't want to do it in a way that is inauthentic because it becomes a trick or a tool. And then it's, yuck, who who wants to feel like you're manipulating the conversation for connection? So looking deeply into the other person's dialogue or their way of saying things helps you. So two different things, right? Dialogue. And so the, the text or the, the words they say, plus the way they say them. So I can say, I love you. And there's congruity between the way I've said it and the words, but they can be incongruous. So I can say, I love you. And it's not congruous. So You pay attention to, I mean, it's not going to be that dramatic usually, but you can pay attention to what it is they're saying and how they're saying it. Take that in, let it hit you, let it hurt, let it feel good, let it, whatever it does, take it in and then bounce the ball back. The other thing is saying when a person is blocking you, so you're having some sort of conversation with someone and you're getting blocked you can feel they're, they're putting up their shackles. They're saying, you know, this there's little walls going up and you can feel it. You can stop and you can say, I feel a wall coming up. Have I done something to offend you? And that is disarming and it's truthful. So when when it's happening, you can bring it up and make the connection happen. And people, when they feel seen, oh, It's just such a beautiful thing. We so desperately want to feel connection and we so desperately want to be seen for who we are. So even when a a negative thing comes up, even when a little wall comes up and you say, hey, I see a wall. I see that you you seem to be shutting down. It feels good because they feel seen and they could get more defensive, but you're still getting a connection because you're hitting them. You're touching them in the place where they need to be connected. Because that's why they put the wall up because you weren't connecting with them because you you know so when that defense can be a little bit of the wall coming down, a little bit of the wall coming down. And if you're sensitive to it and are listening to the person not to respond, but just listening, then you'll hear it. You'll hear when they get to the connection. I have a quick little story about that actually. Sure, I'd love to hear it. When I was a kid, my favorite story was the Five Little Peppers and How They Grew, which is a very treacly story about a mom and her five kids. Who is a recent who she her husband dies, and so they are left to work. It, it like this was in the 30s or something, no, probably the 20s. And there, so they're left to work and take care of the house and take care of each other. And they're just little kids and their mom, but they sew and they do all these things too to um, keep the family afloat. And it was, oh my God, the most lovely book for me. I read it over and over and over again, every day of my life when I was a kid, constantly. And when I was 35, my brother bought it for me for Christmas. And I lost it. I cried like I couldn't stop. I was heaving because I felt so seen. And so the connection, finding the connection isn't really about words or anything like that it's about seeing the person for who they are it's about somebody recognizing that something in you is important you're important to them you touch them you understand them you're you're paying attention and when you do that wow you know it's endless the the love and the possibility that can come from just seeing a person.
1: Yeah, that's really powerful stuff. It reminds me of, like, I think some advice that I've given in terms of like building connections at work. And I think one really nice way to do it is to get to know someone and try to find what they love, you know, like get to know them and ask them questions and find that topic that when they start talking about it, you can just tell like, you know, they're so excited and so lit up about it. And they love it so much. And I think like, that's just such a nice way to get to know someone. And I think it's kind of connecting back to what you're saying, because they're really feeling seen and getting to express this really deep part of themselves. And I know some of the people that listen to this are struggling to show more of themselves and to figure out, OK, like, how do I show my personality and my true self? And sometimes you could start by eliciting that from someone else. So sometimes it's more comfortable to be the person asking the questions and learning and see if you can get someone else to open up to you and then that's going to help you do it. But it's true. I think like those are really powerful ways to con- Connect with people and it's genuine like you you know you're getting to know someone and the things that they care about and they want to share it with you and I think like that's very powerful yeah and the give and take will happen like you'll you'll be able to express your point of view and your
0: worldview from just having an honest discussion and that gets back to that thing that I've been working on is truthfulness it seems like such a simple thing to just tell the truth but it's super difficult. Yeah, I agree. It's really hard. It's
1: hard. Yeah.
0: It's a good one, though. <laughs> you don't want to hurt people. You know, wanna- we
1: don't want discomfort, I think. And so truth is not always congruent with being comfortable all the time. Yeah, that was really fun. Your answers, they surprised me. I found them really (laughs) helpful. So thank thank you for doing those. It's a pleasure. Before I ask you the closing questions, which are my favorite part, I'm going to ask you where people can find you. And just to talk a little bit about the work you do in case there's anyone listening who's interested. Well, my name, kirstenclarkson.com is where you can find me.
0: You can email me at kc at kirstenclarkson.com. And I am not really taking clients from Right now, I'm creating a new way to teach. So I will be taking clients soon through that new way to teach, and that's screenactingschool.com, but it's not up
1: yet. So soon it will be, but not quite yet. Oh, that's so exciting. And now I get to ask you the closing questions. The first is about the title of the show, which is the art of speaking up. And I love to ask every guest what speaking up means to them and why it's important to them. The truth shall set you free.
0: But if you don't speak it, no one will know it, including yourself. Things get buried deep when they're not said. So I think it's extremely important, but more so, I absolutely adore the art of speaking up. The title is so important because speaking up is not the entire business. If you speak up in a way that is offensive or cannot be heard, doesn't have the audience or the people who are listening in mind, then you might as well be speaking into a vacuum because it doesn't matter. People can't hear you. You need to be artful about it. And being artful means taking your time to consider the way in which you speak and the people that you're speaking to. I absolutely love the name of your show. And that is the reason why I picked it. But you know what we were talking about when we were talking about connection and about about paying attention and listening to people? And that is an art. It's an art form. So I think it's extremely important. So much of us want to be heard, but we don't think about what that means to the listener. And super, super important. Those are my thoughts on that.
1: Mm, Yes, I like that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel like it truly is an art, whether you're thinking about what you want to say and how you want to say it and why you want to say it, but also building the courage to say it can sometimes be an art in and of itself. And so it's so, so complicated. And yeah, I think we're on the same wavelength for sure. (laughs) For the final question, basically I give you the floor to just share a message with listeners. And the context for that is that I started this show because In my early career, I went through a period where I was very overwhelmed, I was really struggling with my confidence, and I was very alone during that period. I didn't have mentors, and I kind of needed some help. And so (laughs) I give this last space for anything that you might want to share, whether it's speaking to someone who... Might be going through something difficult or just making someone feel empowered. Whatever is on your heart that you would want to share with someone who's listening. I'm happy to. The thing that we
0: talked about earlier was about what I'm personally working on now, and that is being truthful. So what happened to create that circumstance was multifaceted, but it starts with my mom dying. And when she died, I realized that I was happy. It was a really difficult relationship. She didn't value me. And I lied to myself about that for a long time. She had pictures of my siblings, pictures of other people, other people's families, nothing of me in her house. I was persona non grata for some reason. And I decided that I would not lie anymore about um, relationships and people in my life. Then I lied (laughs) I became frightened that I was going to lose my business, even though I knew that this person that I was going into business with would be harmful in a way that I didn't quite know yet. I knew he would change the way I did business, but I needed someone to save me. And instead of standing up for myself and doing the right thing and making the hard decisions, I took money. And that was the wrong thing to do. It changed things for a lot of people. It changed things for me. And I ended up losing my business because of a contractual (laughs) uh, contract thing that uh, he put into the contract. I don't even know how to talk about it. But anyway, I lost my business entirely. And that was because I lied. I lied to myself, even after I had realized that the truth was really important. It was a pivotal moment in my life. And I became very truthful, except for this one thing where I was fearful. So I decided, okay, that's it. I've lost everything, (laughs) literally lost everything. I have to tell the truth. And I started telling the truth. I started saying like, I've lost my business, which was something that I would have been too afraid to say before. I would have said, Oh, well, I decided to sell, you know, (laughs) that wasn't the case. I lost my business. I made mistakes. And what happened from that is I decided to only associate with people that I respected. And I decided to stay in control of my life and not give control away from myself. Only work with people who were as honest as I am and do what I love and make no compromise in that respect. So, that honesty, all of that stuff is helping me be able to do the things that I want to do to make the world a better place, which is ultimately, I think, what everybody wants to do. We all want or hopefully like maybe 90%, losing everything made me honest, you know, and that's, that's the big thing. Thank you so much, Kirsten. Thank you. This was lovely.
1: Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I'm so glad that you made it here. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Let me know what you think. You can find me as always on Instagram. My handle is The Art of Speaking Up. And I hope things are going well. If you're loving the show, it would mean a lot to me if you could leave a rating in the iTunes Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen. It helps people find the show and it's just really cool for me to know that you're resonating with the messages of the show. It means a lot to me when I know that and it gives me fuel, crazy fuel, like a lot of fuel to keep going. So that's the episode for today. I hope that all is well in your career and in your life and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.